Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with thought leader and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast provides you with insights and ideas you can use to reinvent your culture through trust and the principles of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. At a time when the world is rewriting the rules of work, traditional leadership practices are not enough. It's time to perceive persistent challenges through a new lens. It's time to evolve. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. This is your host, Yvette Bethel, and the topic for this episode of Evolve is Blind Spot with coach, speaker, and author, Marissa Murray. Marissa brings over two decades of success in business and technology leadership roles. Former partner with Accenture, and Vice President at Bell Canada, Marissa has built strategy, business transformation, and change management skills during her accelerated career path. Marissa's, Marissa's experience spans a diversity of industries and governments. She specializes in helping business leaders enhance their leadership competencies and improve team performance. She offers customized training with professional facilitation and coaching services. Hello, Marissa, and welcome to Evolve. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yvette. It's such a pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, Marissa, I'd love to explore some of the uh, premises that you explore in your book, Blind Spot. So mm -hmm. before we do that, please tell us a bit about your journey when you wrote the book and how you what made you write it. Oh, absolutely. So uh, my journey, I guess, maybe as you outlined in my profile, my journey to executive coaching and leadership development was not sort of an instant um, planned one, I suppose, <laughs> for lack of a better way of describing it. I was a late bloomer in terms of realizing how important leadership competencies were. I was very focused on kind of an engineering background and doing things and and uh, my analytical skills and um, kind of doing uh, projects with people, but not necessarily realizing how critical those leadership attributes were. So, um, so this journey has been one of uh, following my corporate career. And nine years ago now, I started my company, Leaderly, and the brand is called Leaderly because I think Leaderly is the most beautiful adjective anyone could say about anyone. So um, I think being leaderly is kind of the highest thing you can be in life. Uh, and so when I think about that journey of starting leaderly and really understanding that pivot point of it's all about leadership. So I kind of went from it's all about getting stuff done, getting results to it's all about uh, leadership and inspiring and cultivating the incredible collective intelligence of the human species, right? So. So that shift in my mind was tremendous. And as a result, I just found that I was looking at the world really differently. And my way of trying to understand the world became writing about it because I was like, how do I organize like what's in my head about all these new ideas? So about uh, three years into my, into literally my practice, I wrote my first book called Work Smart. And that was kind of organizing my thought around this idea of like working hard versus working smart, that classic thing. And what are some of the leadership attributes that I'm working with my clients with the most that are making the difference in terms of their ability to work smart? And that book was absolutely just to figure out what I thought about all these topics. And then my second book, 
is called Iterate. And I wrote that three years later, which was uh, during the pandemic and also just during a time where I realized that although we would like to be really proactive as leaders, we're often very reactive. And sometimes we need this mode of interactive, this word I made up, which is this idea of iterating and kind of just um, shortening your planning cycle sometimes because all you can do is respond and attune to what's going on on a continuous basis. It's kind of attuned to agile. And I brought together some thoughts around that, around what it means to be an interactive leader and what does it mean to just work every day to iterate uh, uh, by appreciating, aligning, and augmenting the circumstances that you're in. And then uh, three years later, which was this past, uh, I began writing the book in 2022, I realized that there were all these blind spot themes that I'd been seeing with my clients. And I wanted to figure them out and give them names and and collect the insights. So I, I, uh, I found that there were kind of seven blind spot areas that I was seeing my clients struggle with and ultimately create breakthroughs from identifying and addressing. And so this was once again an opportunity to kind of figure out what that what I thought about that and and write it down. So that's the story around why I write and what I write. And really it's to support my learning and hopefully the learning journey of others. Quite an interesting journey. Now, Blind Spot explores, uh, as you say, different, I think there were seven different uh, blind spots that you came across that seem to be uh, common. Can you give us a, a brief overview of them? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so some of them have, you know, very simple, simple names, simple concepts, but are the things that plague us. So the first one that I talk about is false assumptions. And so uh, many of us will be in a role and we're not getting the kind of results we want and we don't really know why and a lot of times it comes down to we're holding some kind of false assumption around the way in which we're doing our role or the environment that we're in so an example of that would be i i'd like to talk about david the difference maker and david is a very very senior salesperson uh phenomenal in terms of his client interaction, phenomenal in terms of his ability to, uh, you know, mobilize the client, make the client, you know, do great large deals with the organization that he's with. And that part of his, that part of him is, is absolutely true and, and relevant. And yet he kind of has this false assumption in his head that being the difference maker means that he has to do everything. And so it's like your brain sort of attaches, you know, some ways of being, but then tucks in this little false assumption. And as a result, he was just getting really overwhelmed. He couldn't scale the team. The organization had grown so much that he wasn't able to, and he was getting really, really burnt out and very grumpy, which was impacting his ability to, to be the difference maker. And so for me, the breakthrough in, in false assumptions is just finding that little piece that is uh is plaguing you and once he was able to see doing the difference maker doesn't mean i need to do it all it can also mean that i can make difference makers out of my team and he really shifted towards that classic shift of uh doing it alone versus enabling and empowering the team underneath you so there's an example of false assumptions which is the first one the, all the blind spots that i cover in, in the book are quite almost 
personal. Um, but but for sure that that classic one around, you know, in staying too long in that independent individual contributor kind of bucket as opposed to you're the leader of a team that that would be definitely sort of a category of false assumptions that can run in. Um, but you know if I just think about another um, false assumptions can be really little another example in the book that I talk about is Isaac the intellect and Isaac the intellect thinks that runs this false assumption in his mind that you know his intellect will 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 win the day his intellect is his influencing strategy and it's not true the quality of the relationships and the way he makes people feel you know isaac had a had a tendency to kind of intimidate people with his intellect which created barriers for him to influence people so you know it's interesting as i'm writing the book it was it was less about like kind of you know seeing repetitive patterns it's almost like the the every every individual needs to kind of think about where there's pain what assumptions am i running about the way i'm doing something and that's the reflection there's lots of reflection questions in the book to kind of uncover that if that helps the intellect sounds a lot like uh, experts <laughs> and yes. a lot of experts uh, do have that uh, kind of thought process like you know absolutely i just need to know the work <laughs> i don't need absolutely. to know i don't need to be friends with anyone <laughs> those are some assumptions that they they project so yes i i see your point yeah yeah another one that i uh cover in the book i called unhealthy detachment and unhealthy detachment is uh there's something in your environment that you're kind of detached from it's it's not important to you you're you're disinterested in it and yet it's very important to your success or to the people around you and so um you know an example of of that is is some well gary the guardian for instance would get i'll give you an example i give i, I give my hero's journey clients these nicknames but gary the guardian you know beautiful leader that was very protective of his team and and his team really wanted more exposure more visibility more challenge all this kind of stuff and so he was from coming from a good place of trying to protect them allow them to focus on the work not have too many distractions but he and every time they asked him for visibility or stretch assignments all this kind of stuff he kind of had an unhealthy detachment from it he kind of had this whole ah that doesn't really matter what really matters is this you know and so you're repeatedly being told that something's of value to another person and you're just kind of detaching yourself from that ask or that need and all that kind of stuff and as a result um you know, it's demotivating for his team his team that's what's causing some of his attrition that was what was causing some of his uh, his team to want to uh, work, you know, in a different environment. Um, and it was kind of repetitive. So so sometimes unhealthy detachment is often kind of repetitive feedback that you're that you're just continuously devaluing and is often a source of the breakthrough. So for Gary, when he started to realize how important that was, he started to get attached, right? Attached to that desire in his employees and it more creative in terms of what he was positioning them from. And everyone was able to elevate as a result of that. So, so that's another example. Um, that's another blind spot, unhealthy detachments. And there's various forms of that too. It could be unhealthy detachment from 
you know, a very, an important cultural norm. It could be an unhealthy detachment from, you know, some, it's some stakeholder group that, that really needs your attention, need, really needs to kind of buy into what they're, what's important to them. And that we're kind of staying, we're aware of it, but we're sort of staying detached, too detached. I guess, uh, I don't know if I'm uh, going to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you yeah. <laughs> this question. Um, based on uh, when you look back on your blind spot journey, yeah. um, what was one of your most valuable lessons or, or blind spots that you learned about that taught you a lesson? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unhealthy detachments is a great one for me uh, because one of my biggest blind spots that led to me leaving my role as Vice President Bell was that I was detached. I, I had come from Accenture that was extremely client-centric, uh, sort of had this energy around client-centricity that was very, very dominant. And when I moved to Bell, I felt that my team was not client-centric enough. That's all I could see. And I had, and they would explain to me a lot of the operational excellence activities that they did. And I would be very detached from that. So they had kind of this, you know, we, they, they had kind of a, we deliver client results through operational excellence. Like that, that's what we, and I was like, no, 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 we need to like bend to the clients every whim. Like that was kind of my, my, uh, my false assumption and my unhealthy detachment. I was both I had a false assumption around the way to deliver client service and I had an unhealthy detachment to the fabric of the culture that made that made that place move right that that right. place moved. And so I was really struggling and very unhappy in the culture because I couldn't influence the way I wanted to influence and so those two combinations of blind spots made me ultimately quit because I wasn't happy, you know, but it was really you know when you look back and you're like. Could I've been successful? Probably had I opened myself up to really understand what moved the organization, get behind those things, and you know, orient uh, the the. It's it's almost like you know you have this you have this car with this really really strong engine, and you're not using the engine. You're trying to like you know use your feet like Flintstones <laughs> in the floor, right? Like how do you use the power that's already in the culture to get to where you're trying to get? And I think unhealthy detachment for me was the one where I just, I didn't even know that I was ignoring these capabilities. And so that that's an example of mine. It sounds like you actually got a breakthrough after the, after the, uh, after you left, but uh, yeah. I know you, one of your um, sites that I read, you talk about the connection between blind spots and breakthroughs. Uh, can you, can you tell us more about that and give us an example? Because sometimes yeah. people don't realize that the blind spot is at play. Absolutely. I mean, what I, what I, so I define blind spots in the book as the gap between intention and impact. So mm. if you think about, we all go to work with our intention to do this great work, and then we have an impact. And the impact, if there's a gap between our intention and our impact, which there often is, mm -hmm. then there's usually a blind spot at play. And if you can find a way to, to figure out why is it what I'm trying to do 
being received so differently than than what I you know by others effectively why is my impact out of sync with this intention and what I find is as soon as you start to get that get really curious about all the feedback about your impact on others like what is motivating one what is demotivating them what is moving them what is making them resistant all those kinds of things if you get really curious then often what you discover is there's something that you can just change almost even a tiny bit it's that orientation that brings your intention i have this little graph in the book that's like intention and impact and you're narrowing the gap you're narrowing that angle between the two and then all of your force and all of your energy sort of works together your intention and your impact are in alignment and you have and you know much more you're not dividing your power you're you're you've got much more much more force behind your energy your leadership energy so i guess what the reason why i say your blind spot is your breakthrough is because i really do find that when we sit in that reflection of okay my intention is to this but but i'm obviously like people aren't doing like may my intentions to motivate them and people are not motivated so then it's like how do we get curious between those about that 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 what's there very very i mean that that just makes my mind speed ahead but before we talk I, before i ask you another question we'll take a break this is your host Yvette bethel and we will re be right back after this message organizational soul is a mission-driven organization and network where we specialize in trust in academia families and organizations we are building a community of leaders who are interested in trust and culture. If you are interested in our updates, you can sign up for our newsletter at orgsoul.com. As a thank you for joining our community, you can access our free resources that are designed to help you build your brand as a trusted leader as you contribute to safe space. Sign up now at orgsoul.com. Welcome back to Evolve. Our guest is coach, author, and speaker, Marissa Murray. Welcome back, Marissa. I would, uh, I think we talked about false assumptions earlier, and now I'd like to talk about something that's connected, which has to do with uh, core beliefs. We all have core beliefs that run on, you know, automatic pilot. How do they perpetuate our blind spots? And what are some, some of the ones that, are, you know, you encounter? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. So one of the blind spots that I talk about in the book, one of the seven is called outdoor outdated core beliefs. So I, we do speak specifically to outdated core beliefs. Core beliefs, of course, are always running in the background. And the ones that I think cause our blind spots that we want to focus on right now are the outdated ones. And we do need to upgrade them. But an example, just to tell you uh, one of the client stories, um, you know, core beliefs. Okay. So I guess what I would differentiate a false assumption between a core belief, uh, false assumptions are usually things that, um, maybe, you know, are a little bit more superficial. They're not like kind of wired in you that you can easily change them. When you identify them, you can probably easily change them. You're like, oh, that was a false assumption. I'll just change my, I just realize it's false. And now I move forward with this other assumption. Whereas core beliefs, and outdated core beliefs in particular are often so so unconscious that we're it's harder to change them and sometimes harder to identify them and and once you identify them there's some work to do to change them um but one of the examples um in my book is calling the competitor 
So he, Colin just grew up, you know, in sports, always, you know, just that energy around competition, 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 competition. And it was really the source of all the motivation uh, for his work, et cetera. And it was got, it had gotten to a point where it was going to really limit his career because at some point you can't be competing with your peers. You can't be competing with your boss. You can't be competing. You know, it's no longer a competition. It's really, it's, it's, it's no longer an individual performer competition. He was in individual performance sports too, not even team sports, but even people that come out of team sports, sometimes there's, there's a difference between the collaboration required in an organization than in sports, because you're not, the, the scoreboard is not as clear <laughs> or it's more, or, or there's many scoreboards, right? Yeah. So there's just, you know, and everybody has a piece to play for that. And so that outdated core belief of, I need to win, I need to compete. You know, that is, um, that is something that's hard because there's so many beautiful, exciting neurochemicals that come with that, right? You get dopamine with that and you get, you know, you get these, you get all these energizing feelings. And so what in those cases we have to work, the breakthrough is to work to replace, replace that sort of feeling of satisfaction and motivation with something that's as beautiful, but different and doesn't get in the way of the collaborations. Someone uh, once asked me, they said, if it's a blind spot, how am I supposed to see it if the key word is blind? <laughs> I, I totally agree. And, and, and that's where it really, that's where the definition of the difference between impact and intention was so helpful for me to explore because you can't see it but you can see there's a discrepancy. I actually use the example in the book of like how they find black holes. So they don't find black, they can't see a black hole, but they see matter disappearing into something. They see light particles disappearing. So they know there's a black hole because things are disappearing. And I think about blind spots a bit that way, whereas there's effectiveness that's being stripped away. You know that when you used to do this thing, it would, it would have this direct reaction and now you're doing that same thing and it's not it's not having that reaction and so it's the it's that it's that um it's the evidence that surrounds it and then you get curious you get curious about what's causing that what would you say to people um because there are some people they'll see the gap but then they don't they will assign the cause to some extrinsic variable it may be because people are lazy or whatever right mm -hmm. um how how do they how can they see it because they'll see the gap and and they're assigning it and so covering the gap this in their mind there's no gap because this is the explanation yeah so absolutely. how do yeah. we how do we resolve that yeah well so one of the things that i talk about is that's it's really and one of the ways i discovered most of uh the work that's represented in this book is by doing what I call stakeholder interviews, which are at the beginning of my coaching programs, I interview a number of people around this leader. And so a verbal 360, you might call it, but I try to, uh, I try to basically get impact statements rather than feedback. And I know that's a really subtle difference, but I try during those 
to really ask questions around what impact are they having on you? And when they did that, what's the impact? And I'm trying to kind of understand because feedback can be filled with a lot of advice and a lot of subjectivity, but impact is sort of, it's, it's easier, it's easier, I think, to be objective and it's easier for the other person to understand, like, like these are in, this is the impact I'm having. And so if this is the impact I'm having across a number of different stakeholders. And so my job is to interview and get all these impact statements and then decide what do I think is are the consistently impact sort of differences that I feel as I've known now I'm working with my client, I feel their intention. And I start to see that gap between what they're intending to do and the impact that they're having. And that's where we begin to explore it. And what I found amazing over the years is that there's an assumption in our minds that, you know, the negative impact is on, you know, people that we have weaker relationships with. And that is sometimes the case, but it's, it's, it's rare that the people that we have great relationships don't see that impact too. They see it as well. It just doesn't bother them as much because they, because they love you and they know that, you know, they, they know that the good outweighs the bad. And so their tolerance level for what is maybe an Im imperfect way of being is much higher. And so what I'm looking for in these impact statements is I'm really looking for what is everyone saying? Because basically that, that is where the blind spot is. And, and when I manage to do that, where I can really show and I can really work with the coachee to sort of see that everybody sees this and this is going to elevate the quality of every relationship then they it's it's not as easy for that for their brain to basically just throw the information out i think uh, there are some blind spots that are more nuanced um they aren't as obvious like within that gap yeah uh how do you help your clients with uh, the ones that are less obvious? Yeah, well, the one that I think is is one of the ones that's less obvious, although there's probably others, is triggers from past pain. So one of them is triggers from past pain. Mm -hmm. And that one is less obvious because it's very, it's very personal. And we don't always know that we we're being triggered by past pain, right? We we just know we're 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 irritated or our behavior shifts. And so that's that's an example of when the behavior it just feels elevated or out of line or 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 sort of out of the blue. And with those ones, it takes a little bit. Um, it takes more time to sort of to allow or help the client unpeel. Like, where is that? What was that trigger? And how is that trigger no longer relevant in this in this circumstance? Um, one of the, um, one of the ones that, uh, one of the case studies that I talk about is, is, is Paul, the protector. Um, and he, he had this career where he would, you know, really accelerate very quickly. And then after five years or so, he would typically be fired. <laughs> he sort of had like a few of these and, and, um, and he wouldn't be he would be fired mostly because at some there'd be you know some contentious issues that he was trying to protect the firm from in, in these cases he was a lawyer and they he would kind of become at odds with his leadership so there's like you know these but it was a pattern 
And so when I started working with him, he was at like four years with his firm. And I didn't know this history, right? But I knew that he was getting, he, 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 the feedback that I was receiving was that he was getting agitated. He was getting more aggressive. He was getting less collaborative. And so it was really interesting to kind of unpack. And so it took a while in our coaching program for him to reveal this pattern and for him to reveal that he was actually, what was happening was he was seeing these contentious issues and he was aware of the fact that, that you know, when he took a firm stand in the past, that he had been fired and he was just really confused about how he was going to navigate these particular issues and he was really worried about getting fired but this was all very 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 hidden even in many ways you know the the mind is just phenomenal in terms of the stuff it's holding on to back there to protect us right <laughs> and yet it creates all kinds of dis-ease in our ability to to collaborate so we worked together on you know, improving the quality of the way in which he was able to handle these issues, like to, to be less contentious, but also trying to basically teach his brain to break this pattern. This pattern does not need to continue to repeat. And that the past pain was triggering behaviors that was going to actually make it repeat. So it's really powerful. He put himself in a loop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a final question, if you'd like a audience to remember one thing about this conversation, what would it be? Well, I think your blind spot is your breakthrough is really, um, I just, I really am so compassionate for my clients. This is a courageous journey looking for your blind spots. I mean, the, the, the job of a leader is hard enough, let alone peeling yourself apart on a regular basis, trying to sort of renew um all your skill sets and capabilities and and be intentional about that and so there you know i just want to, people to remember that there's ease on the other side of this it's not you know feedback and impact statements and coaching and working on yourself there's such a beautiful payoff when you can get to that breakthrough and yeah it does take some introspection and it does take some vulnerability um, but, uh, but every story there's 21 client stories in the book and they're all you know they're all incredibly insightful and it's always, it, there's a payoff with every single one of them. That is like thank you, Marissa, for such an engaging interview. I really enjoyed it. Your insights will certainly support our audience. It's building uh, the skills they need to kind of figure out that middle, that space between yeah. impact and intent. Yeah. And uh, before we sign off, can you please share with our audience how they can connect with you? Yeah, so my website is uh, leaderly.com. So it's L-E-Y, leaderly.com. You can see it actually if you're watching the video behind me. And uh, that's the best way to reach out to me. Or if you are hanging out on LinkedIn, please connect. And, uh, and then my books are all on Amazon. We would like to thank you for taking us to, taking the time to join us on Evolve. Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Thank you for listening to Evolve. Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Learn more about our proprietary trust, leadership, and culture courses and certifications at the IFB Academy. You can check them out at organizationalsoul.learnworlds.com.